Happy Sabbath. Uh, you know, Loma Linda Church is a very interesting church because last weekend all the students were gone. And today all the young families are all gone. How many kids did we have for children's story? Did we have it? Because last weekend we had a ton of children. I think they're all on, all on vacation today. Um, you know what? They're going to be missing out a lot because... As uh, some of you guys may know, we have a very special potluck picnic lunch today at Bryn Mawr Park. Do you guys know where that is? It's right by Bryn Mawr Elementary School. So please, right after we finish, um, if you don't see me there, that means I'm already on my way to the park. So well, we're going to all meet you there, okay? Um. You know, my family, we love shopping, okay? Because of our um, financial situation, I always tell my girls and, you know, that, hey, um, you can buy whatever you need, okay? Not whatever you want. You can buy whatever you need. But for some reason... My kids, they always get confused with the, what they need and what they want. You know what I mean? They don't really know what they need. They think that whatever they want is what they need. I mean, just talking about just one thing, shoes. I mean, how many pairs of shoes do you need? Every time I ask my girls, hey, you want to go on a walk? They say no. So they don't like to walk. So why do you need more than one pair of shoes? I don't, I don't get it. Right? And you know, it's funny because when it comes shopping, um, this really affects everyone. Like, it really affects all of us because did you notice that um, at a certain point you think, okay, I really want this, and if I don't have this, I'm not going to be happy. So, in order for me to really be happy, I need it. And how. That's how we convince ourselves to buy whatever we want, not whatever we need. I believe that today's message could change the lives of many people who have come today. You will leave differently than when you have come. But here is the key. You must not hear from me, but hear from God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful Sabbath. We've gathered here in your house to worship you and praise you. I pray that as we open, our, as we open the Bible, I pray that you open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus realized that the Pharisees were jealous of his popularity and John the Baptist's popularity. So they thought, wait a minute, um, the Pharisees thought, what if we have um, Jesus and John the Baptist kind of turn against each other and make some kind of rivals, then maybe, um, maybe this can help us. 
When Jesus realized that, he left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. But usually what happens is the Jews, when they go to Galilee, they usually go around Samaria because they don't want to really interact or meet anyone from Samaria. So that's what they usually do. But Jesus wanted to go right through Samaria and go to this little Samaritan village called Shikar. There was uh, this well that Jacob had dug in long thousands of years before that, but it was still there. So Jesus went to Jacob's well. When he went there, he was really tired. He uh, had been walking for a long time. He arrived there around noon. It was really hot. He was really tired and exhausted. And he sent out his disciples to go get some food in the village. And he sat down right by that Jacob's well. But when he was sitting down, a Samaritan lady came. And this is a very interesting and very strange situation because usually men at the time, they don't really interact with women that they do not know. That's number. Number two is usually the Jews, they don't really interact with the Samaritans. So when she came, Jesus said, Can you give me a drink of water? The Samaritan woman thought, what? Why are you talking to me? You're a man. I'm a woman. You're a, you're a, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why, why are you talking to me? And then she replied back and said, Um... Sir, why are, you, why are you talking to me? You, a Jewish man, why are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman? And Jesus said, Do you know who I am? He said, If you knew who I am, you would ask me to give you the water, and I would give you the living water. The living water. And then she says, how are you going to draw any water? You don't have anything to draw water. And then this is how Jesus replies to her. Okay, This is John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. So let's look at John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus answered to a Samaritan woman, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will come, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In John chapter 4, Jesus, using the truth that water is essential to living, speaks of himself as being the source of living source of life-giving water, water that results in eternal life. As many of you guys know, I grew up in Korea, and growing up in Korea, I had some very interesting experiences with living water. Okay? My parents, they used to love hiking in the mountains, so they would wake up early in the morning, Sunday morning, they would wake me up at 4 o'clock. Hey, Richard, wake up. We're going to go up to the mountain. Like, ah! Leave me alone, I want to sleep. But they had to wake me up and drag me to the mountain. 
And it happens every time I go hiking up in the mountain with my parents. Because every corner up in the mountain in Korea, they have a place called medicinal water. It comes from like some special rock. And every mountain has some special rock. Okay? People line up there to drink that water. And who knows? Even that water is actually clean, right? But Koreans call it the medicinal water. Medicinal water. And then you line up. And when you get to the, your turn, there's always only one wooden bowl. You know what I'm saying? There are no cups. There are no disposable cups. Everyone shares the one wooden cup. My dad gives me water. If I think about it later, I mean, if I think about it now, it's, it's really gross if you think about it, right? I mean, how many thousands of people drank from that wooden bowl? It's disgusting. And who knows how old that thing is? It looks really old. So disgusting. He gives me water, and I drink it, and my dad goes, Richard, this is living water. Lomar in the church, that water was not the living water. (laughs) Okay? It was a little bit fresh, came from the mountain. All right? That water was not the living water. Not only that, for some reason, all these medicinal water stations always right next to Buddhist temple. No, no, that's not living water. Jesus, Jesus is the living water. Amen? But I have tasted something very similar to the living water. If you do not run, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. If you do not run, you'll never know what I'm talking about. But for those of you who run marathons, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We have tasted the living water. It's called the coconut water. (laughs) Okay? You know, I talked about marathons in my sermon. And then, actually, I talked about half marathon I did in my sermon. And church members came to me and said, Pastor Richard, You cannot talk about half marathon and talk about marathon. That's not a full marathon. So I actually ran the full marathon and talked about it. And then some church members came to me and said, Pastor Richard, you cannot talk about marathon after running once. (laughs) So I ran full marathon three times. And let me tell you, the living water is, well, not is, the coconut water tastes like the living water after 26.2 grueling miles of running. I kid you not. After you finish, you get your medal, and the first thing that they give you is a coconut water. And as you know, the coconut water is like the natural, made made by God, Gatorade. It's like a natural electrolyte. Everything that you need after running a marathon, you drink that coconut water and everything that you need is in there. And you drink it, oh, it tastes like the living water. You wouldn't know because you haven't run full marathon yet. (laughs) I know. But the coconut water is not the only living water. 
you walk a little bit more, and I've told you this before, you walk a little bit more and they give you chocolate milk. You guys, after you run full marathon, when you drink that chocolate milk, you don't drink it. It's like your, your cells in your body, they drink it. All your cells are tasting the protein and the sugar and the liquid and the salt. Your body absorbs that chocolate water. You wouldn't know, would you? But if you run marathon, you're going to be able to experience the tasting of the living water. But the thing is, coconut water nor the chocolate milk are the living water. Only Jesus is. But here's a very interesting thing because we think that we can have a taste of the living water and in our lives and we go seek all these things. You know what I'm saying? We have this thirst that we, we have in our lives and we think that my job, my job will quench my thirst. If I work hard, my grades will quench my thirst. If I get my trophy wife, she will quench my thirst. If I marry that man, you know that guy, oh, if I marry him, then my life will be complete. Jesus says no. We have this thirst for beauty, thirst for popularity, thirst for success. You can drink it all you want and you may think that it tastes like the living water, but it is not the living water. You will never satisfy. That is the point Jesus is making here today. He's saying, only I can quench your spiritual thirst. Only I can truly satisfy the meaning of your life. If we drink from him, we will never thirst again. The problem is, Do you have that thirst? Or the problem is, do you even know you need the living water? Do you even know that you have the thirst? While everyone needs the Lord Jesus as their Savior, not everyone knows they need Jesus, let alone cares. Thirst is one of the metaphors that the Bible uses to describe our deeply embedded need and longing for God. In Psalm 42, the psalmist compares his longing for God's presence to a thirsty deer, right? Desperately in need of a flowing stream. We have physical thirst because we need water. We have a spiritual thirst because we need God. I believe that there is a part of the human condition to have a deep thirst that nothing in the world can quench. Money, fame, power, possession, sex, relationships, success, none of these can completely satisfy this deep inner thirst that we have. It's a desire a longing for something that nothing in this world ever seems to satisfy. Well, Jesus understands this because he created us. 
David wrote about, David wrote about this. He wrote about this thirst. And I'm telling you, this, is, this has become one of my favorite psalms in the entire psalms, okay? So, look at this. Uh, psalm chapter 63. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 5. And these are actually amazing. So check this out. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. And then check this out. It says, Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Loma Linda Church, can you say that? Can you say that about your life? Can you look at God and say, God, your love for me is more important than my life. Your unfailing love is better than my life itself. How I praise you, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Okay, this is why I lift up my hands when I when I sing, okay? A lot of, for those who, who, who know me well, I'm not very emotional, okay? I don't cry. Come on. I'm a man. <laughs> but something happens to me when I listen to songs. Oh, man, sometimes I'm driving and like I've listened to that song many times, but all of a sudden the lyrics come into my head and I go, (gasps) I can stand in front of God unashamed. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what is this? Water flowing down from my eyes. I'm like, what's happening to me? Like songs touch me like no other. And when I sing songs and I mean what I sing and the lyrics become my prayer, I lift my hands and go, oh, yes, he is risen. That's what David is saying here, you guys. When I pray like that, I lift my hands. That's, that's when I lift my hands, when these lyrics, these songs become my prayer. And then... Oh, it's going to get better. Check this out, Lomar in the church. It's going to get better. You satisfy me more than the, rich, more than the richest feast. Okay, now it's getting really personal. Okay, Lomar in the church, this is really interesting because I just did the same sermon in Korean over there. Okay? In Korean Bible, the richest feast, you know what it says? It says... It doesn't say richest feast. It says greasy, meaty meal. I kid you not. You know what it's saying? It's saying it's better than any of the best barbecue or meal or party that you can ever eat. You see why it's personal now? Because I love food. Right? You know, you know, I am not I am not afraid to drive 
to LA to eat good food. You know what I mean? I am more than willing to drive all the way to Irvine or Garden Grove or Hacienda Heights for good food. I actually enjoy doing it. Okay? When I'm that much willing to do that because I love food, what David is saying is that all the great meals, all the parties that you can have, David says, my presence, your presence in my life is more important than any of this great food and any of the parties or the richest feast that we can ever have. And I'm going, oh my goodness, can I say that? Loma Linda Church, can you say that? Can you tell God that you satisfy me, God, more than any success, any grades that I study for? any career that I, I, I'm studying for, or any, any cars, houses, any vacations, women, men, whatever I desire. You satisfy me more. And David goes, I will praise you with the songs of joy. Lomar in the church, come on. We, we need to thirst for God like David. David thirsted for God like a dehydrated man dying in the desert. There's such urgency, such desperation. You know, but Solomon was a completely different story. The son of David, completely different story. Think about it. Solomon had it all. Right? I mean, who, who was the richest man alive in the Bible? Is it Job or is it Solomon? I don't know. But it seems like the Bible says Solomon pretty much had everything that anyone ever desired or wished to have. He had it. He had it all. Any horses, any gold and silver, whatever you want, he had it all. He had over a thousand wives. I know, that's terrible. Right? But actually Solomon writes about this. He actually says in his book, there was such emptiness in his heart. There was dissatisfaction. All the things King Solomon had could not fulfill him. Nothing could have fulfilled him. And if you think about it, if you think about Loma in the church, we know this. All of you students, you don't have to raise your hands, I can see you, okay? All of you students, you made it to Loma Linda. You are on your way to a fantastic career. Families in our church, a lot of them are gone today. Why? Because we're on vacation. Right? And that's exactly what I'm going to talk about, actually. All of us here in our church, we have a nice house, nice cars, we get nice vacations. Your kids are doing fine, you're healthy, and you are successful. But then, why in our hearts, why do we feel hollow? Why do we feel empty? Why do we feel, ready for this, bored? 
Solomon writes this whole book about this. He goes, I am so successful. I have everything that anyone can ever desire. And he goes, nevertheless, why do I feel like my life is meaningless, meaningless, and meaningless? Why do I not feel fulfilled? So what do we do? Maybe if I get one more house, maybe if I get a beach house, maybe a vacation home, maybe if I get a bigger home, maybe I'll feel better. Maybe if I buy one more car or a better car, maybe I'll feel satisfied. Maybe if I take more fancier vacations, okay? But there is no fulfillment. Think about it. If you, can, if you buy a really nice house, it takes about one year, okay? After a year, it, just, you get, it gets old. It's just your house. You get a nicer car and you upgrade your car, whatever, and then you enjoy it, maybe for a month, and then it becomes just a ride, right? We go on these wonderful vacations, and then you come back to your real life, and then your vacation is just a memory. Well, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with the houses, I have no problem with cars, and I love vacations too. We all need to rest. Houses are important. Our career is is important. All of these are very, very important. However, what I'm saying is, Jesus is saying, there is something more important. There's something that is in the foundation of our life that needs to be met. And he's saying, I am it. I am that foundation. Nothing in the world will fulfill your life. They won't fulfill your emptiness. We need to start drinking the living water. In today's passage, Jesus teaches the lessons of satisfying the thirst of life to Samaritan woman, right? Jesus actually says in the later chapters, he goes, hey, go get your husband. You know that guy that... that that should be your husband? You, you think that if, if he would be your husband, then your life will be complete? Go get him. He gently points out that man, that man that she went through, number one, number two, number three, number four, all through it. And then she still came out empty. She says, you see? This is why she had a five husbands and then she was living with the, the sixth one, and Jesus was saying, actually, I am the living water will be your seventh husband. Because when you have me, finally, you will be fulfilled. Jesus says, you think you need this water you came to draw? He says, you need me. I am the living water. Lomal in the church, obviously the thirst here in John chapter 4 means the need of Christ, the need for Jesus in our life, the need for God in our life. You see, this weekend is the Easter weekend. By the way, that's why we had the special music, because it was the Easter weekend. I know the Adventists, we don't really make a big deal out of it. 
Do you know why? It's because the Sunday churches, they made a huge deal out of Resurrection Day, and then they go to church on Lord's Day, the Resurrection Day. So Advent is like, no! And we, like, we don't like Easter. But actually, Easter is a great weekend because Easter serves a very important and clear purpose. You know what that is? Easter reminds us that Jesus died for our sins. And you see why today's message is so important? Because Jesus came and said, I'm going to overcome victory. I'm going I'm to overcome death and have victory over death. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm still thinking in, in uh, Korean right now for some reason. Jesus said, I will, I will overcome death and bring victory over death. So now, when you have me, you will have eternal life. I will become the living water. So now, you don't have a death sentence. Now, your life is not about just your race to the graveyard. And Jesus said, now through me, you will live. You need me. I'm going to finish with just one, one simple story. <clears throat> a pastor who pastored a large congregation, he had four services. So after the first service, the second service, third service, and the fourth service, finally he was done. He was feeling exhausted. He was really tired. And everyone's just walking out. He just sat right there on the pulpit like this. And it's like, oh, I'm so tired. And everyone was just walking out of the church. Way in the back, this pastor sees a man. And from afar, he can already tell that this man is a homeless man. The way he was clothed and everything, and he, he looked at him and was like, oh, there's, a, there's the, the homeless guy. He, has, he gets several of those. You know, a lot of times they come and talk to the pastor like, oh, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I need this, I need this, I need a, some money to get a ride, a bus ride. And then he has given money to them many, many times. That happened to me several times too. Many times when I was in my ministry, somebody comes in and they're like, oh, there's a, they want to come and talk to the pastor. And then I hear their story. You know, to make the story short, it's actually better for you to give them money so I can go preach. And that happened to me many, many times. So he was just sitting there, and then now the homeless man kind of gets up, and then he's coming to the stage. And the pastor's thinking, oh, here we go again. And he's thinking, oh my goodness, do I even have money? And then he comes, and when he came near him, the pastor could smell him. He smelled like cigarettes, booze, and urine, and all just, he smelled terrible. I'm going to make him go away. So he went through his wallet, and there was a $20 bill. He was like, no, $20, that's too much, right? Five bucks. So he takes a $5 out, and he handed it to him. When the pastor handed the five bucks to the homeless man, 
he put away the pastor's hand and said, I do not need money. He told the pastor, I need Jesus. Oh man, the whole time he thought, oh, I'm just going to give him five bucks to make him go away. The homeless man came out to tell the pastor that I don't need your money, I need Jesus. Roman in the church, they hugged. And the pastor said, he smelled terrible. Okay? And then he thought, oh my goodness, that's what Jesus did. Can you imagine when Jesus came down from heaven and when he was walking among the sinners like you and me, can you imagine what we smelled like to Jesus? They were hugging each other. And at that moment, the pastor thought, wow, this man says he needs Jesus. But who needs Jesus more? The homeless man or me? His assumption about this guy was completely incorrect. And the pastor realized that, wow. We need Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a homeless man or a pastor. It doesn't matter if you have a great job or no job. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. It doesn't matter if you are beautiful or not so beautiful. It does not matter. Because in the end, as a, as one human being, all of us are in need of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ who became the living water. Father, I can't even imagine what we, the sinners, would have smelled like when you came down to the earth. And for some reason, you gave your life for all of us. Lord, help us to realize the thirst that we have, the spiritual thirst that we have. Father, help us to realize the need of Jesus Christ in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Heavenly Father, 